You're listening to Love of the Links Golf Radio with your hosts, Brendan Elliott, Bob Baldessari, Andy Hydorn, and Chris Ray. All right, Love of the Links, uh, season three. Last time, guys, remember, I couldn't remember what episode it was. We missed one in there. We had Rex Hoggard on. Um, we were talking about Patrick Yikes. Reed and all that stuff. So, so this is episode six of season three. And I'm super excited, as you guys are, too, to have uh, Matt Reagan on here from Operation 36. Um, I, Matt, like, like we were saying before we started, uh, started recording, I just wanted to start off with you giving a little introduction uh and background into op 36 absolutely well thanks for having having me on guys and um excited to be here bright and early in the morning and uh just a quick background on on operation 36 if you haven't heard of us we are a player development program for adults and juniors and and the mission is to give someone kind of a motivating plan to take them from their first round to be able to shoot 36 or better for nine holes from a full tee box and so we start with that end goal in mind and then start to think about, well, how will we compartmentalize or back that up and give them a motivating plan uh, with not only a programming and education, but also um, little curriculum and, and then give them some technology to make it motivating, to make it fun. So we have about 565 locations around the country um, and uh, in a few other countries as well. And we uh, think in the last four and a half years, we've, we've seen about 65,000 participants come through the program so far and, uh, and, and really are just passionate about, you know, really the differences between, you know, dropping someone off to a clinic uh, and, and kind of helping pros make that transition to what we would call developmental programming, which is very similar, like have player development programming or traditional programming, right? Um, and, and I would think the most kind of eye-opening component of what we've seen and learned over the last 10 years is just how long it takes to actually create a golfer that's going to get engaged and what we think of, you know, pay for a round of golf and go out there and comfortably play on their own. And, uh, that gap from first introduction to golf to, to that, we're, we're excited to keep sharing and pushing that message and, you know, rubbing, <laughs> maybe making a little friction out there just to get folks to realize that it does take some time. Maybe we shouldn't shy away from telling people it takes a long time, but also say, look, it takes a long time and be transparent with them. But at the same time say, but we're going to give you a motivating plan. And that's, that's what we're passionate about. We have a amazing network of golf professionals that are leading the program. Everything's led by, you know, golf professionals around the country to kind of distribute the program. And, and uh, it's been, it's been fairly well received by, again, by juniors was where we primarily started. Uh, Ryan Daly and I are the ones who kicked this off in 2010 with the idea of long-term athlete development and golf development coming out of TPI training. Greg Rose and Dave Phillips are the ones who got us really excited about this idea of the, getting the kids to come every single week for the entire season and then it just kind of cascaded for there over the next five years. You get a kid to show up to class every day, once a week for, you know, an hour. You go, well, gosh, how am I going to make this fun every week? Or how am I, you know, how am I going to make sure they're learning? How, the parents are asking, what are they learning? How can they support them? So there's, you know, there's all these things that happen when you get people coming consistently. You know, how does athlete development fit into that? How does, you know, how much should they be teaching versus you know, letting them just go out there and train and have fun with games versus, you know, seeing if they're learning, you know, and all, all of these components like is, is really what the first three to four years were. And then after that, we had uh, Carmel Country Club uh, in Charlotte 
they, they kept pushing us at the PGA show. We want to use this program. We see what you're doing. Um, and they're the first ones that kind of pushed us over the edge to say, look, we'll help you figure out how you, you could license this. And you will be your first facility to license the program too. And uh, at that time, we didn't have any technology. Everything was pen and paper and books. And you get this, there were six kits that the kids would get. They get their first kit with two booklets and uh, there's a bag tag and badges on the back. And we actually, uh, just at that exact time, uh, only really had a curriculum and had the kids coming every single week, right, to classes, which is, your, it was still a little bit ahead of the curve, right, because they were coming every single week for the entire golf season, but, um, and had the opportunity to do that. Uh, but we ended up losing in that same year, 40 golfers from my program, which was half of our program at the time at, at Keith Hills. So we're trying to train Carmel Country Club, right, and tell them how great of a program it is. And at the same time, we end up losing 40 golfers. And, and if you haven't, the, we, we ended up going to all those 40 that left and said, well, why aren't these folks still in the program? And uh, we started putting some criteria together and, and we started getting on the phones with the folks. And it was like a really common message that came back from everyone. And it was, they never actually play golf outside the program. And we'll never forget the story of the mom who's like, Claire has been in the program for three years. And we would take them on the course once a month, you know, we would try to get in two holes during the hour class, you know, the whole, everyone's done that. And that's a pain in the butt too, as a golf pro to try to do that and pile them into carts. And, um, but we got Claire's mom on the phone and she's like the sweetest lady in the world. And she was like visibly upset. And she said, you know, Claire's been in the program for three years. Grandpa lives on the West coast. Grandpa has been funding this program for three years. He comes out to play their first round of golf together and Claire didn't really know how to play golf um, and because she never played uh, outside of the program. And I'm like, holy moly. So that was the one that hit us the hardest because they were like the sweetheart parents. And then she dropped the news that, you know, she wouldn't be joining the program again. Uh, grandpa's not going to fund it anymore. And we're this, you know, we're, we thought we were on top of the world then. So that's what uh, led us down a path for a whole year to try to figure out, well, how do we actually get beginners on the course and get them connected to playing the game of golf? Right. We can make it. I don't know as if you would meet two golf professionals that, you know, worked with the same kids. We had like a 95% retention rate up until that point. We're good. The same kids for three years to watch 40 of them leave the program. Right. Like the, that's, I think a lot of times they come in and they leave and they come in and they leave, they come in and they leave, you know, cause it's dropping clinics. It's not committed. Um, but that uh, that's the whole reason we, came up with the op 36 model. Right. And that took over a year. I'm going to shorten it up. So we can get some more questions, but it took over a year to come up with as simple as it sounds, but to build it back into a compartmentalized curriculum, we, we were joking on the way down to train Carmel that, you know, the end goal of the program was always, we used to say, start to scratch in six levels and little things like that. It was always to get someone to shoot par. We wanted people to think long-term and to have big goals, but, um, we said, well, what if we could get them to shoot it earlier, you know, and what if we could get them, well, what would we need to do? And we joked that if we put the kids on the putting green in the program, because we were so frustrated at the time that we, it would, you know, none of them would shoot par from there if we just start them on the putting green. And that's where we're like, oh my gosh, we have to try that. So that's how it all kind of kicked off. And we, instead of starting on the putting green, we started them 25 yards from the hole and uh, said, look, you're going to you know, chip it on, put it in. Our goal is to shoot par, which is a score of 36. We simplified it and just said every hole is a par four. Um, so that way you don't have to talk about par threes and fours and fives and all the things that can be confusing for a beginner. 
and uh, every hole's a par four. And we got her on the golf course with 30 families in about 90 minutes uh, on the first round. So that was win number one. And then win number two is, you know, Keith Hills, you run up a hill at the end and the kids that shot 36 or better came up and we really didn't have a plan. They said, well, what's next? I did it. I shot 36. I shot 34. I shot 32. And uh, we said, well, geez, we'll just back you up next time. You know, we'll go to 50 yards. And, and so what we started to do is go, let's, you know, that was so powerful and probably the biggest learning lesson that we had. And uh, I think, you know, kind of our big mission is to try to help folks understand how you can and how it should be required to have playing golf as a part of a beginner golf development program. That's really what Operation 36 is all about. So um, I hope that I hope that wasn't too long of a intro. I apologize, but it's a it's a long 10 years. <laughs> no, Brilliant, in, an, in an awesome 10 years and in you, you and I have known each other off and on for the last couple of years, and I've always admired you. We've had this conversation. I've admired what you guys do, but I'm like a lot of pros. You know, I have a successful program and brand that I'm trying to, to market and push. And sometimes I have these things on the side, the blinders. And I was doing exactly what, what you guys were doing, where you'd have this turnover. And you're like, why? People are enjoying things. Why is this happening? And we had PGA Junior League, we still do, but that really wasn't fulfilling what Op 36 does. So we, we came on with you. Um, actually, we're in our first, just finished up our first run of the program. Mm -hmm. and, and it's incredible by, and Bob preaches this all the time. So I'm sure he's going to chime in here in a second, but getting people, kids, adults, whoever on the golf course relatively quickly is critical to retention of golf or building golfers and then retaining golfers. So this first run we've had, uh, Coach Ricky, who kind of oversees the program for us, uh, after the first week or two, he's like, Ugh. I, I like some of these kids have no idea of the, the basic things you need to do to, to play around the golf. But after you get over that first week or two hump, it's incredible how without really getting into all the technicalities of the game, how they pick stuff up on their own, how they start to understand how to play the game. And as golf instructors, we know that there's two completely different worlds of playing the game and learning all the technical aspects of the game. And I think when you lead with this, it, it makes the other part getting them in tune with how to hold it and, and, when you work up to swing path and how to hit the ball a little bit more crisp, I think it makes it easier, a lot easier, because there's that end goal, you're, you're starting with the end goal, which is getting on the course and playing, playing the game. So I, I'm, I'm a huge fan now, and we're, we're rolling it into uh, what we call family play, uh, powered by Op 36. We're starting that in the summer where parents come out with the kids, and, yep. and we're getting parents, I talked to some last night at Junior League that are like, I don't know. It sounds like fun. I'm like, anybody can play from 25 yards. I don't care if you've never picked up a golf club. You may not shoot 36 for a while, but you're going to be out there playing. Yep. And I, I'm excited about that. So I'm going to roll over to Bob. Thanks, B.E. Yeah, Matt, good to see you again. Uh, I first became aware of Matt and Ryan, what they were doing in 2011. So I've been uh, president of their fan club here for a few years. And would promote what we were doing and talk to people over the years, especially when I was at PJ headquarters in my role. Uh, but hey, Matt, you need to uh, also 
Well, one thing about Matt and Ryan, they, I think um, one of the very, very first and innovative leaders with the mindset of player development, like this is the thing I've been saying for 20 something years, player development is business development. And so they're developing business at the club members, member retention, new golfers, and getting them into the golf ecosystem. And it's not just a, an exposure type of thing. So Matt and Ryan deserve a huge amount of credit to just get this thing where it's, it's, it's not a, a fun little spring clinic that we see too many times and then people drift away. They have it structured that you're, you're trying to get, as Matt said, somebody to be a golfer for, for life. And Matt and I have talked about retention and, and actually bandied about the idea of retention uh, workshop. Uh, specific to that but Matt one of the the key stories that I tell with what you did was the golf course that had the nine hole ladies something like 12 ladies and they were struggling and then they brought this in and it was something like 140 ladies now in this program they've added one or two system pro positions I mean that's business development yeah yeah we're we are firm believers that there's a self-funded beginner golf development, long-term golf development, player development, whatever you want to call it. There is a self-funded position at every facility. And so the we learned pretty early on that there's three stakeholders that any good developmental program needs to suffice for, and you need to be able to prove it. And that's the first and foremost is the student. And we focused on the student in the first three to four years. The second is the golf professional, because it, is, it does take time to run it and to be motivated to run it and to, and to do a good job, you know? And so, you know, making, uh, make, if you can set it up, right, you're creating value for the end consumer and you're creating value for yourself. That's where that motivation keeps the value and also how you run the program exciting. Cause the coach is excited to run it. They're not going to run it into the ground and I'm making my $10 a clinic. I don't know who's going to show up. And the end of the year you look and you're like, well, I get my $24,000 plus my uh, lessons and I do these drop-in clinics every week. Well, that amounted to about two grand. And I stressed out about it every time before I came out. So it's just a poor experience all around, right? Where instead of like, let's plan the entire season ahead of time, know what we're going to do, communicate that to the consumer, show them that we have a plan for them. And now the parents and everyone are brought in, whether it's an adult or a junior, they're brought in with the idea that you're, this is a long-term program. And that's, that's what we've learned over the last three to four years is just how powerful to have a brand to lean into with people and how powerful that is. Once people start leaning in and calling it Operation 36 and they, you know, a lot of people took what we did and kind of tried to blend it into what they already had and just kept doing what they did. And those weren't successful. You have to set it up as a separate program, just as you would set up PGA Junior League as a separate program. Um, and then because we are centered around getting people to play the game of golf, you know, uh, Brandon hit on it it gives purpose to it, right? After a while, chipping balls and putting and hitting on a driving range when you don't actually experience playing golf on the golf course, that's the vision when you get there and then you hit, a, you, you hit drives and you hit chips and you realize you're really bad at all of them, but you have no way to measure and see like, okay, well, I, I, I do need to take time to improve. And then we sell them on the fact that you can, you can learn golf in five lessons and you're ready, you know? It's like, no, it's like, this is a long-term journey, just like you wouldn't expect your kid that's five-year-olds, I'm going to put them into school and they're going to go to college next month. You know, it's like, we don't expect that out of our kids. Why would we expect that out of golf? So it is a transformative, you know, from the player development side, but then all of this comes back to the golf facility. When you have people coming consistently, 
and you're getting them comfortable playing golf, really the facility doesn't see the value or the revenue until someone actually, you created a customer for them that would outside of your program, go play the game of golf. So, you know, is, is, you know, not only were we building tools or had in the back of our mind that, um, you know, we had a hard lesson in 2014 that led us to this of, you know, the golf facility as the 40 golfers were leaving, were coming to us and asking, well, are you actually creating value for us? Because we aren't seeing any revenue from this, right? And then they start having those conversations. Well, we know you're making $150 a month per participant and uh, we want to cut of that. So you have to be able to show that you are doing that. So, you know, when people look at our technology and why we built what we built, the whole underlying foundation was to prove that we are creating value. Like, yes, they need a tool when they go out and play to help guide them. Yes, they need a tool when they train to log that they did that. The whole reason we're doing that is to be able to showcase the value of the golf professional. And we just launched the first version of the facility impact report that we used to do manually. But that's it's a whole life cycle. The facility the golfer and the golf coach should all benefit. And there's a self-funded position at every golf facility out there. It doesn't matter if you're a public club in the middle of nowhere. That's where we started at Keithos Golf Club or you're a private facility. And obviously a lot of the private facilities come on. They have a little bit of a budget to come on with, right? And they want to create value and their whole, their whole job is to retain members, right? So, um, you know, the amount of, you know, a great stat, if you don't do it and you run a developmental program that we have built into the report is just take how many members are coming every week and times it by how many, you know, how much, how much does it cost to be a member there every year? And you're helping retain, you know, in some cases it's 400 to up to a million dollars in memberships a year. You are engaging them to come every week. If they're not coming every week, they're not spending at the club. They're not going to, one, they're not going to get better at golf, but two, you're, you're probably going to lose that customer as a private club. So there's all these things, yeah, that go on in kind of the background of what we do to show that business aspect. And uh, it, it's, it's, but to make the world go around, you got to hit on all three. I mean, it's got to, and it's taken, you know, I mean, we're actually in our 11th year. It's 11 years of systems and thinking about all three stakeholders, but you're right, Bob. It's like, it's, it's a different mindset and, it's, it's hard. It's hard at the end of the day, but then again, it can be very simple. Like the model is pretty simple and, and you just have to believe in it, but you need, you start to pull pieces out of the puzzle and things fall apart and then people say it doesn't work, you know? So, um, but it, it just crushes me when I hear that golf pros are, you know, one being asked to pay more at the golf facility because they can't prove their value and, or, um, you know, they, they're, they're leaving golf. Like, it's like, gosh, they love golf at some point. Um, why can't we figure out a way to, to pay them enough to stay in long enough to, you know, have that impact that they really want to have and have that work-life balance. And so those are all the behind the scenes things that we absolutely uh, agree with you on there. You know, I, I find it interesting. We, we were chatting about a recent post on Facebook, but the bigger story with that is, is, and you go back to golf pros leaving the industry because of the pay factor. I'm a huge believer out of pains that I've had in the industry of not making enough money that it's, it's always been there for the taking. If you're talented and you know your stuff, um, there's, there's always opportunities there, but you have to create the opportunity. And, and I think a lot of golf pros kind of get stuck in the roles uh, uh, 
if they're behind the counter assistant pro, they check in, they check out, they do their daily tasks, check off a list. And that's just really not going to cut it. And, and that's why I, I'm really push for people to, you know, create your own opportunities. And this is a great thing, especially with what you guys are just rolling out with how a program like this impacts the facility. I know a lot of golf coaches and instructors do impact their facility, but they don't have anything tangible to give to ownership or, or give to management on the impacts that they have. Um, I'm, I'm really excited about the new location that we have and it's, it's a slow process to start. I know it always is when any, when you roll out anything new, but I'm excited that they're right from the get go, they're tracking every impact that we have with one of our students that come in and buy a hot dog or rent a cart and come out and play outside of our program. And it won't take long for them to see the impacts that we have, uh, how that affects the club overall. So, you know, when, when guys like you and Ryan come up with something like this, where you're actually taking it one step further from the business standpoint, let alone the player development stuff is fantastic, but giving those golf pros the opportunity to show their worth, that's fantastic. Anything that people develop in our industry should come out of pains that they've been through or, or pains that, uh, facility has or an instructor has so like what what andy does with with uh uh iconic golf it's the same it's out of the same mold it's it's taking issues and problems that have existed in our industry as coaches and as instructors uh and just making things easy not just for us but for the consumer too and that's how we really make a dent and make an impact in, in in the game and continue to keep people bob talks about retention all the time i think it's fairly easy to get somebody to try golf but the really really hard part is to get them um within their own way of how they live their life with time constraints and and money and everything else how to get them to keep playing the game and that's why it's just it's critical for what guys like you and ryan doing what you do with this or andy what he's doing with iconic and just these types of things golf pros giving it a chance um and, and incorporating it into what they already do I, I think that's what's going to be what makes us successful and keeps the game moving forward. I think it's funny that that it doesn't matter who we have on this podcast, whether it's Maurice or Calvin or Matt, it, it doesn't matter. It all comes down to we always talk about retention, right? Yeah. And we always talk about how to how to get people in and keep them in um, and and you know, doing everything that we can do to, to grow the game of golf. And I think what, what you guys are doing is brilliant, Matt. Um, I think it's awesome. And, and uh, you know, it's an evolution, right? And, and you, you played out how it all happened. And, and I think that's, that's awesome. You know, you learn and you move and you change and you move on and, and uh, get to the next kind of phase of what you're doing. Um, but one of the things that, that for me, like this year, because, you know, the dynamic of what happened with golf booming and facilities being packed and, and, uh, sometimes it's hard for, for, uh, facilities to, to look Mm long-term and, and to invest if you will. Right. And 
I, I would wonder and I would ask you, you know, do you guys have any issues with, with, you know, kind of timing and, and well, we can't, we can't push these customers off the golf course and put your group on. And I mean, has that been an issue at all for, for you guys with more so with, with the boom that's happened? Yeah, I would say there's, I would say there's uh, probably two, two core issues. Um, and it's across the board and we, one, we all know participation up. So it's one of those things that it's like everybody, like we're up 30, three percent i think compared to last year and new just just new participants not the ones that are currently in but 33 percent new participants um so the the timing is perfect for it the challenge is we have every type of golf facility you have the literally the highest end private club down to you know the small par three executive course municipality right and and the challenge that we saw is first um, depending on how that golf facility handled COVID and is still handling COVID um, and the ownerships and the management, it, they either did one of two things. They kind of stocked up and said, there's a lot of interest. We're actually going to have more staff or they did the complete opposite and they gutted staff and asked the golf professional to do everything. I, I've talked to more golf professionals that are not only running the shop now, uh, outdoors, right? Like that's where they were all outside and they're out of their golf shop and then they're, and they're cutting greens. I've heard of people cutting cups. I mean, I've heard, I mean, from I've never, I haven't cleaned a cart in a long time to like, I am, I am running, I'm the only one here. I'm running carts up for folks. And not only are, am I running carts up for folks, but everyone's riding in a single cart. So like we talk to golf professionals every, you know, we, our policy is, um, you know, you have a 24 or what's not 24 seven, like, you know, nine to nine to five o'clock Monday through Friday, you have, if you want to schedule a time with our team to talk through challenges of your programs or ideas, or you want help with marketing, we have full-time PGA program advisors that help them do just that. And, uh, and so the story, and then on our 9am standups every morning, we have, we talk about challenges that pros are facing. So we hear every problem and we kind of embrace it, right? To go, we know this is an issue. So that, that's the first issue that we saw. And then the second issue. So uh, the folks who didn't though, that didn't get pulled into the, the mix of every other, uh, you know, uh, every other duty from everyone that got let go, uh, they blew up. Like, and I'll give you an example. There was a private club. I won't mention the name of it. There's a private club that's uh, local to us that uh, the program ended up doing the year before maybe had like 30 participants. Okay. And they kind of weathered the storm in the first little part of the year, got to where everything was normal. We could get up and going again about May or June. And uh, which is when we saw a spike of new participants coming back in, we figured out how to kind of navigate it. And then uh, from June until the end of the year, did over $200,000 in coaching revenue using the program. So there, there's that for the taking, right? For sure. And now as we've turned the corner into the year, uh, into this year, there's, there's kind of those two mindsets, Andy. It sounds like you're getting at is the, um, the course is so packed, we can't get anybody out there, right? We have no room. 
and in uh, anyone you talk to is almost like negative right now. Like it's just a ne- like the idea of someone playing golf to a golf pro right now is like exhausting. I think you know, <laughs> and I can sympathize with that. I mean, I I I've been to a few clubs in the area. Every time I'm there, the golf pros look tired, you know, and and they're being, and I'm feeling for them, you know. And on the other side of the equation, I see that. Um, we have this opportunity and all these new people coming in to get them comfortable playing um, in in the way that we bring people into the game. We package that into the program because what we believe is, you know, if you're going to get someone playing the game of golf, they're not going to go book a tee time on their own. And I'll be honest when a golf course is busy and I'm booking a tee time and it's still stressful for me as a golf professional, you know, like everything's busy and you're, everyone feels rushed when you're there. Like it's a, it's a hectic time. So we've seen program costs go up and we've educated our, which is, which probably needed to happen uh, because the golf course is saying, Hey, from, you know, remember that slot from four to five o'clock in the afternoon that didn't used to be booked. Well, it's booked now. And if you guys want that spot, I need more revenue for that. And we teach, we teach our pros and the program locations, just build the cost into the program, right? It's just your, what your participants are paying for is that they are, they're paying for that all packaged up together. So they don't go have to go book the tea time. Cause guess what? A beginner will not go book their own tea time, right? right. As much as you say, take these lessons, I'm expecting you to go play on your own. It's like, I'm going to be at work and I'm like, I just don't feel ready yet. What am I going to do? I'm going to hit the driving range. Then I hit it like crap. And little by little, they come up with excuses not to come back. So that's why it's important that we just package it together, right? So if you're charging $100 a month, $25 a class, let's say, and you're going to run two nine-hole events a month, the first thing we saw is people usually drop that back down to one nine-hole event if, if it's too busy. That's the first thing we recommend. And the second thing we recommended is you know, if, if they're going to charge you $40 for the nine hole round, then you package in $40. And instead of it being a hundred dollars a month, it's $180 a month. And that that's the only way you can still have that positive relationship with your golf facility. Right. Because, um, right now that's the, well, I think that's the other like big reason that we, we are, we're having some success and people are starting to realize is it's a, we want everyone to benefit. We we're pre-booking these tee times, these, they're coming every week, you know, we'll add a little margin on top of the tee time, just like a tour does. Right. So I, I, it's worth my time to be out there to run it as a golf pro. Um, and, and that's what, that's what makes the world go around. Now everyone benefits and guess what? Consumers will pay it. And, you know, it's, it's like, think about hockey, you know, they're building the time to get on that rink into the cost of hockey. That's why it's so expensive. You know, the soccer fields, you don't necessarily need that. So soccer programs, but gymnastics programs, karate programs, any of those other programs, uh, what you're not seeing, right, is that they got a 10,000 square foot space for a gymnastics, more than that. You know, that's, they're probably paying $20,000 a month in, in a lease that us as golf professional, and they're there pulling people into gymnastics. That's all they do is creating gymnasts, right? And we as golf pros have no lease, no overhead, the course might take a little percentage. We don't have a $20,000 square foot facility that we need to be paying with 30,000 expenses and employees. And we could be running this at this, we have like this golf facility we don't have to worry about, but that's the mentality that I feel like golf pros need to have is I'm paying this lease back to this facility. I need to drive rounds to this facility. If you approach it that way, or I need to retain these members, I'm going to prove it to my GM. That's how we approach every golf facility before we even go in and said, what is it that you're looking for? 
And sometimes it's not even that, right? Like we're trying to change the culture here. We're trying to bring, bring more families in and we have old members that do not want that to happen. It's going to be rough. And we're like, we'll help you change that. And we'll change their mindset, you know? So I think a lot of it is really getting down to, um, the interest of everyone involved and every stakeholder to make sure that that's you, you're on the same page of them. And we kind of coach up our pros in the network on like, look, go to your GM and ask them what they want, you know, and, and you'd be so surprised at the answers you get. And also the, 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 it shows good leadership on your part to be interested in what they want, because at the end of the day, if they're coming down on you for something, it's probably because it's not in their best interest and it's going to work its way back up the chain to the owner and they got to, or, or to something, you know, there's an issue. You got to figure that out and problem solve together and work together. But the challenge is Andy, every golf club is different. So last year was absolutely exhausting trying to help every club and it still is a bit. So, um, but I, I, is that what you were getting at though? Like, are you seeing something? Yeah, 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 totally. It, it's just, you know, like I know at the club that I play at, and this has nothing to do with the uh, development program or anything, but people are just aggravated because they can't get tea times. Right. right. Yep. And, and there's only so many hours in the day and, the, and, you know, it's, it's, it's just a good problem to have. Right. But yep. nonetheless, it's, it's definitely an issue that, that has to be managed both on the, on the ownership end and on the membership end. And there'll be consequences to it if there's not something in place to keep people. Because when life gets back to whatever sense of normalcy that we can have, all those people aren't going to be lining up to play golf. And if, if you just take for granted what we're going through right now, you, you're in for a rude awakening as, as an operator or owner. And, and because then you're going to be trying to drag people in to fill in those times. And what a wonderful way to do it with a program like this. So you, and I, and I know there's a lot of owners out there that are business people and not golfers. And there's a big difference between being a, a business guy that owns a, a factory or some other uh, interest other than golf that may just happen to own a golf course. You, you can't, you can't take that and just drop it into golf and, and you run your business. Well, you can but there's a whole bunch of other ingredients that go in there to making golf sustainable for, for the individual courses. This is definitely a time of opportunity, right? You know, investment and opportunity. Matt, I, I, um, I, you know, I mentioned this before, but the, uh, the beauty of what, what you and Ryan did early on was this uh, get on the golf course immediately get the magic of the game immediately. That's going to draw people and keep people. And I know it transformed my going back for me, teaching growing up my whole <laughs> life and then uh, getting into a head pro job, really doing a lot of teaching, even as assistant pro. And the traditional thing was, well, Andy comes in, takes a series of lessons. The last lesson, maybe we're going to the golf course. I might've lost them by then. I don't know how many times a series never completed or maybe a clinic <clears throat> series didn't complete because of, you just, you know, people just get tired of it. It's like trying to, you know, read a book on bull riding. Well, you got to get on the bull. You can't, that's how you're going to learn. You can't, I can't take Matt or, or Brendan or um, Andy to just hit, hit, you know, go in a gym and um, shoot free throws. Like, when, you, when are we going to get in the game? What's the thrill of the game, the competition? So even from 25 yards, you're on the golf course. We all know how many times people have said, my God, is this, is this 
grass real? This putting green, it's it's like this yeah. big is real. Look at the beauty out here. I didn't know there were animals out here. I didn't know there were all this. And it's just, it's fascinating. I never get tired of it. It still inspires me bringing new people directly on the golf course. I take them on the course. We hit a, a few putts. I said, this is where the magic is. This is where your life can change. And so I think that that beauty of, um, you know, what you do, you started with the kids, you've done it into adults, but in the adults, I know you've had a lot of success with laps golfers and they get forgotten. So mm-hmm. Andy played 20 years ago, life, everything gets in the way. I, you know, he's got an affection and an affinity for the game. And then you just get him back out there that first time, you know, that it gets the sparks going. So yep. uh, I just think, you know, that, that it's so key that what you do with Operation 36 is driven by on the course experience. Yeah. Uh, and another thing that, that I, it's been coming across my social media feed lately, and Bob, I think you make a, a ton of really good points there, ultimately, and this is the brilliance of, of Op 36, is that, you know, here's the ball, here's the starting point, there's the hole, which is the finish point, right? Does it really matter if it's 500 yards or if it's 25 yards? No. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't, right? So... I've, I've been looking at this pop shot thing. Have you guys seen that? Yeah. So to me, you know, you look at Top Golf and Top Golf has been great for the game. It's been great for, for people to be entertained and, and be, you know, kind of in the game of golf a little bit. But I think pop shot has that same kind of feeling that, that, you know, people, here's the start, here's the finish. It's not just miniature golf. I mean, it looks to me like it's it's bigger. It's it's a little bit more real. Um, I don't know. I think they're they're tapping into to some of the same stuff that you guys have, Matt. And and I think that that's going to be you know all all other things need to be considered. But but the concept is really really pretty cool. Yeah, I think it's just some interesting uh, facts that. Uh, have come across that I would say like surprised me as we've gone through this, uh, but have been common. Uh, one, uh, how many uh, we've we're the participants are about thirty percent adults now, so seventy percent of junior, thirty percent adults, and in the adult range, you know, uh, it it goes from mostly between forty and sixty, with kind of peaking in there like early forties to fifties. Um, and they, uh, I've had multiple, like not research based, right. But I've had multiple people come up and, uh, a few ladies come up to me at different clubs we go to and say, thank you for giving me an excuse. It's what I wanted all along. And, and so, and, and essentially I, they wanted to go closer. Right. And I think T it forward was close to that. They were, they were, but it, but you don't, it forward's not a program, right? Like it's not something I'm joining to give me the permission to go do it this way. And, and I've had a lot of folks tell me that. So that was one thing that was really surprising is like, I've always wanted to play, but I've been too not comfortable to play. It seems overwhelming to play. You gave me permission to go do it this way because other people are doing it. And that's a big part of what we do. That's why like in the app, we have the challenge and you can see how many golfers are doing it and we're how many facilities are in because we want to show that there's other people around the world doing it this way. Right. Like that's a, that's a core component. Um, so that, that's one of the, it's, it's, it's not only that, but it's 
how do you define, it's all narrative building, right? Because, and I, I always try to get, uh, it's in good coaching, we always know like the best coaches tell like the amazing narratives, right? But it is a narrative we've built around Op 36. It's easy to explain. And that's why we call it Operation 36. Oh, it's interesting. Yeah, the kids start really close to the hole. They try to shoot 36 and they back up. So when everyone can explain it over and over again, that's how it spreads. And that's part of marketing and coaching and storytelling, right? But the I, I always tell like, what's the difference between even just putting a kid on the golf course, right? And that kid goes around the golf course and hits the ball all over. And even if it was 25 yards the whole time, just goes around the golf course and, and uh, there's no purpose, no nothing. We didn't build a narrative around it. Then all of a sudden you host this nine hole event and there's a bunch of kids that show up and uh, we bring everyone in and in the narrative, we like to say, and we're, we're working on kind of shaping our narrative and some of the pieces of the tech to bring this to life, to soften the performance component of it. Um, but like, you're really going around today to collect as many pars as you can. And, and that's where we're, that's what we, like, let's see and test your skills you've been learning in your classes and just go out there and have a lot of fun. And by the way, if you shoot too good of a score out there, if you shoot 36 or better, we're going to back you up the next time you play, right? So it softens that experience. That's the narrative. So that's the coaching aspect. And so when people go out and actually play, I still remember uh, ninth hole at McGregor Downs Country Club. And you could just feel in the group, right? As they're coming down, there's this kid named Jack. He's like, four foot, nothing, right? The little guy, he's coming down. He's got the big flat built, like Ricky Fowler hat. And uh, the whole group is like quiet and a bit tense. Cause I watched him hit a shot from, he was, he was at the uh, 50 yard division two. I watched him hit a shot uh, onto the green and he needs to, uh, he needs to make this or is it two putt to, to shoot 36 on the number. And so he hits his first putt up there and he's got like this far left for, 36 on the number and the dad whispers it to me his whole crew wants it right because they're all encouraging each other that's the beauty it's not they're not competing against each other they're all beating against the course right and this kid gets over the putt and his knees are shaking and his hands are shaking a little bit right and uh ends up hitting the putt we all wanted it so bad it goes all the way around the hole and comes out and it's like <laughs> oh shit <laughs> you know it was just in it in it in it and I, I went up and hugged him. You do all the things. I mean, he was teary eyed, you know, all of that stuff, but he was in a, what, what was really profound about that experience for me is that kid was in a safe environment to experience failure. Yeah. And the only reason he experienced failure is because we built this narrative that you're going around trying to shoot 36 that day. And so the whole time you're going around this course, you're building up these narratives in your head of what's happening. And we're helping kids deal with that because that's all kids deal with in real life, right? You build up a narrative in your head about something you believe and you have to deal with whatever the outcome is. And, and so I just, that experience stuck with me forever on what we're doing is important. And that's why they say golf teaches life lessons because when they play the game of golf, they experience the ups and downs and the flows that you go on. Next week he came back and he, he shot like a 32, right? But I think it's because he got over that fear of failure he did it, realized it was nothing and came back. But that's what golf teaches people. But it teaches them that if they play the game of golf, it doesn't teach them that until they can get into that experience. Exactly. And that's, I, I think narrative building is really important and marketing is really important. And we put a lot of time and energy into that, into the full experience. But 
I just thought I'd share that because I think that's a, as you're saying, right? Everything comes around this narrative. Like we, if we just tell people to go out and play, we don't give them a plan. No one's going to go out and play because we have to build up here's your goal. And then show them that again and again and again and again, because we have to, it takes a long time to get someone comfortable enough that they're going to go out and play. And, and if I can stress anything to anyone listening, it takes a long time. If you haven't worked with a player who's never played and you say this person now goes and pays for a round of golf, count, try to count up how many players that you've had actually do that. And then count out how many players already played golf, came to you and got lessons. Those are probably still your clients, right? And I think we're losing sight of that. And that's that's kind of the message that we're trying to share with everybody. It's like, it's an issue. So we need to do a lot to, to change that. I wanted to share three quick things. My experience would be using the model, but not necessarily in the program. We, we run the program. But I use this, and Matt and I have talked about this. I use this with my private lesson students that are better players. That are, I wouldn't. They're not in any stretch a beginner, but they're some intermediate, some are advanced. And this, the same concept was intriguing to me for the more advanced players because where do they leak oil when they play around a golf? It's from 25, 50, 100 yards. So I'm like, all right, hot shot. Let's go out and play 25 yards and, and see how you stack up and. And Matt's got the, there's the app that you can use, but there's also scorecards that you can print out. And on the scorecards, it talks about greens hit, uh, putts, and putts is the one that I really uh, gear in on with these kids. And so it's good in that respect for the, for the better players that I work with to see how quickly they can back up. And it shouldn't take them that long to get to 100 but then you get to that 150 and now we're really working on some, some scoring areas. And the other thing that's really cool is for those intermediate kids I work with privately that um, there's one, there's this one kid, Noah, I'll put his name out there because he'll love that, that I talked about him. Um, he's 14. His dad's a scratch golfer. Dad doesn't push him at all, but dad really wants him to, to be a, a good golfer because there's a ton of potential there. But Noah, like a lot of kids his age, and we talk about this all the time, he just doesn't have a lot of motivation to go out and practice. So for almost a year and a half, we do your traditional lessons where I'm going out there and working on technical aspects. And, and uh, we had a range I used to teach at that had top tracer, and he wanted to do the go fish game more than work on, you know, positions in the swing. So when, when I decided to, to partner up and work with you guys, I thought, man, this might be a good thing to get Noah because he loves to go on the golf course. He doesn't dislike when we do the technical lessons um, because I kind of know as a coach to how to maneuver and talk about things that he likes to talk about and stuff. But he loves when we go out on the golf course. So two weeks ago, we had like a one-week hiatus. We, we usually work every week. Two weeks ago, I said, Let, let's go out there and do the op 36 thing again. He did 25 yards and pass it first time, no problem. And 50 yards, he, he missed it once. So this was his second time trying 50. So he's like, man, I haven't practiced in a week. No surprise there. Um, and we're <laughs> at 50 yards. And he's like, he's kind of got the club and he's stretching out and stuff. And he goes, we'll see how today goes. First shot, knocks it in the hole from 50 yards. Oh, and the yeah. look on his face was like, holy shit, I can do this. I can do this. Let's go. And you know how kids say that thing and he's running all over. He calls his dad immediately. He goes, I just got a whole one. Maybe not for real, but it's still a whole one. And his dad's like, no, that's, 
that's a hole in one. You're playing from a designated set of tees. Yep. And, you know, he, he only birdied one hole the rest of the way, but he passed from 50 yards. And I think this model for kids like that, that haven't had the thing to push them to work a little bit harder, this can be one of those things through an experience like that, that could be the catalyst to pushing them a little bit harder to keep working on this game. And from that point on, it's, it's really paid dividends for, for him. That's really cool. Really cool. Hey, Bob, Bob, don't you love when you, you hear these let's go references that it's just more Tom Brady infiltrating the, the world. <laughs> Beautiful thing, isn't it? It's yeah. uh, they're realizing the brilliance of, of the goat, you know? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Bob, I'll lean on you for one final question for Matt before we have to wrap up. Uh, maybe not so much a question, but just uh, a comment and excited that uh, with our new uh, facility we have at the Club Med Resort, uh, the Church Coast Golf Club at Club Med there in Fort St. Lucie, we're going to work with, started just started working with Matt and Ryan on building out a resort model. So the, the guests that come to this Club Med are in for usually a week to two weeks. And so how do we take this Op 36 and make it make sense for the people coming in, typically come in get a beginner chipping, putting, it's good. You get a club in a hand, but if they're going to be there for a while, what other resorts are out there that we can spark some interest um, and help Matt and Ryan create something at a resort destination that people are really starting to, I don't know, pick up the, the sort of pick up the, uh, the pace to join into the game. So, um, you know, we're excited about that. I just really appreciate Matt and Ryan, their, their mindset. It's, it's more of an infinity mindset of, anything out there uh, we should try the golf industry as we know is historically it's nice to have history and tradition but history and tradition hold you back and so um you know they're one of the the bright lights out there and have been doing it and i think their data that can prove without a uh, question that the data that they they create i think is uh it is just something that's uh, again illuminating. It's not anecdotal. It's not just well, I heard this or that. It's like no, these these dudes have the data. They're proving it. So uh, I hope the golf industry continues to um, to grow with them. Thanks, Bob. That means a lot to us. And if there's any facilities that uh, want to come on, it is it is uh, we are happy to have you. So we are self funded and only driven by golf pros believing in what we do. So. Um, it is challenging sometimes to be self-funded and not have, not have investors or anything to back. And, and so in COVID, we, we really appreciate all the facilities that still believe in what we do and, and how we grow. And, and uh, I, I appreciate that, that comment on, on kind of being infinity thinking and long-term thinking. And um, it just, we know the impact it can have and we're so excited to share it. And as I've told anybody who's afraid to come on or doesn't think it'll work, you know, let us, let us prove it to you, you know, and, and uh, because once you get it going, it, it's, it's really amazing the impact it can have. And it makes coaches feel like coaches again. I've heard that, you know, it makes the golf facility happy. And, and really at the end of the day, it comes back down to how can we, how can we pull more people into this sport and give them a plan? You know, that's all they're looking for. And if you give them that plan as, as Brendan alluded to, you start to create that interest of when they're sitting at home and they're bored, they're like, huh, I kind of open up their app, they look at it and go, I think I could 
I could probably beat that, you know, but again, they're probably not going to go do it on their own. You need programming consistent at every facility to say, I'm going to go do that. So I'm going to go join this semester again. You know, I'm going to, you need it because when they're ready, you need to have it. You can't say, Oh, it doesn't start for another three months because of summer kids in a summer camp. You know, it needs to be right now because gymnastics, I could sign my daughter up tomorrow. Karate, I could sign my daughter up tomorrow, you know, and it's, it's happening now when you're ready, when the consumer's ready, we need to be ready. And uh, so that's why weekly long-term developmental programming is great for the pro. It's great for the student and it's great for the golf facilities. So hopefully uh, if we can ever help with anything like that, just be sure to reach out to us. We'd be happy to. What is the best way for somebody to get a hold of you guys? If they just, uh, if they hit the website and click, if it's a golf pro, hit the golf pro section and, and you can create a free account. We have some education on there to teach you more about developmental programming. You got some good uh, content partners. Um, if they create that account, they'll get an email from us. If they want to reach out to us, there's a live chat on our website. They can, uh, that comes right in. Um, if they have questions, they can hit that up. They can email support at op36golf.com. And then for participants, there's a facility map. Just click find a program. There's a facility map and uh, find your local program that's near you or spread kind of all over the, the main areas of the United States and, and, and a few other countries. And um, if they fill out the form on that specific, uh, specific person's or their local facility, it'll, it'll go right to the coach and the coach will reach back out to them and give them information about their program. Every program's a little different. Timing's a little different. Resourcing is a little different, uh, but the cores of the program are typically there and in, in, uh, in, in each one. Um, but that's the best way for golfers and or golf pros to reach out. We really appreciate you coming on. Um, say hi to your partner, Ryan, for us. Uh, it would have been nice to, to chat with him too. Um, but, you know, check it out, folks. Operation 36 is a really cool program. Uh, could mean big things for you as a coach or if you're a golf consumer it's a fun fun way of really diving back into golf if you're a lapsed golfer or trying it out if you're a mom or dad that just usually just drops their kid off get in there go play with them um, this is love of the links golf radio podcast we'll have the video portions up uh, probably by the end of the day audio portions will be up pretty quick on all the places you get podcasts uh, once again, thank you, Matt, gentlemen, Bobby, Andy. Thank you, guys. We'll see you guys Great. next time. Enjoyed it. Thanks, Matt. Thank you all so much. Great meeting you, Andy. You too. Thanks for listening to Love of the Links Golf Radio. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Our website is littlelinksers.com backslash love. You can email us at loveofthelinks at gmail.com.